Lord, in light of your love for us, the only appropriate response is to give you everything. And so, Lord, I pray that you would use your word from the Bible this morning to help us do that more. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. This summer, some of my friends uh, took me out on their boat and gave me a tour of the Clyde Hill shores of Lake Washington. They called it the Gold Coast. There are some nice houses there, let me tell you. And as we were cruising along, I kept saying, you know what? If I had that house, I could be happy. I could be happy on that veranda with that view. And then they reminded me of some studies that I had told them about that have shown that rich people are actually often unhappy people. And I said, yeah, yeah, I know, but I'd be the exception. I'd be a happy rich person. I just know I would. The subject of money raises a whole host of feelings for most people, envy, desire, but I think the emotion it raises the most is fear. If we have a lot of money, we're afraid that we might lose it or that some preacher will make us feel guilty for having it, like in a tithing sermon, like this is. Others of us are struggling just to make ends meet, and the subject of money is very anxiety-producing because we don't have enough. But I believe that God wants to free us from those fears and move us to a place of freedom and of joy in giving. You've heard the biblical quotation, God loves a cheerful giver. Do you know what the Greek word for cheerful is? Hilarion, from which we get our word hilarious. Isn't that great? God wants to help us become hilarious givers. I just love that image. Not bound by fear, but free with our money and laughing as we're writing the checks and just giving it away. And there's a tool that God uses to help us get there. It's called tithing. The spiritual discipline of giving 10% of what we earn to God's purposes. And I believe that that is one of his greatest gifts to us. Now you might be thinking, okay, tithing a gift, can we return to sender? Would that be okay? But that's because pastors like me have made tithing a legalistic, guilt-ridden, anxiety-producing, boring pain in the spiritual neck. A sermon you have to hear once a year whether you need it or not. So here's your once-a-year sermon. But that's not why God asks us to give. He asks us to give to help us move, to help us to move from fear to freedom and then on to fun. And tithing helps us do that in two ways. The first is, when we give, one of the things we get is solid proof that God exists and that we can trust him to provide. So much of our anxiety about money is about not having enough. The rich man in the story we just read builds bigger and bigger barns because he's afraid. But right after this story, Jesus goes on to say, look at the birds. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't build barns. But God takes care of them. God knows what you need. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. God will provide. Seek first his kingdom, and then everything else will be given to you. In other words, God's going to take care of you. Don't worry. But we don't know that until we try it out. That's why God says, test me on this. It's the only thing in the Bible that he says this about, the subject of giving. Try me out. I'll prove myself to you. It's like Peter getting out of the boat to see if he can walk on water. He doesn't know until he tries it. Last year, after I preached the stewardship sermon, a member from the congregation here told me that I was too soft on y'all and that this year I should be tougher, so I'm going to try. 
She went on to tell me a story that when she was first married, she and her husband didn't have a lot of money. And one week they had enough money either for the groceries or to pay the tithe. And they decided to pay their tithe. She said that night they sat down to the only dinner that they could muster for the evening, toast and milk. And right as they were sitting down, there was a knock at the door and it was the neighbor. And the neighbor had made this huge dinner for a party that they're going to have. But at the last minute, all the guests had canceled and the neighbor wanted to know if this woman and her husband could use the extra food. And the neighbor gave them enough food to feed two people for almost a week. She said she's tithed ever since. Now, I know that sounds like such an incredible story or, you know, maybe something I got off the internet or something like that. I didn't. It happened to one of you. You told me about it. When we give, we get proof that God exists and that he provides. And that frees us from fear and worry and anxiety. But you've got to take the risk and give first. The second way that giving moves us from fear to freedom and then on to fun, is that we realize that not only does God provide, but that everything we have belongs to him anyway. It's not ours, it belongs to him, so we can have fun giving it away. Because it's not ours, and that's fun. In my old church, the guy they hired to replace me did this strange thing one Sunday morning. He told everyone to take out their wallet and hand it to the person next to them. And when everyone had done that, he said, now open up the wallet and give like you've always wanted to give. They missed me so much that Sunday. <laughs> it makes a great point, don't you think? It's fun to spend other people's money, especially if they have a lot. Right? Ask any teenager with his parents' credit card. It's fun. So this year, I want you to give as if you were a kid set loose in the world with dad's credit card, because that's exactly what you are. Everything we have comes from God. Yes, we worked hard to earn it. Yes, we made some smart moves. But we also owe a lot to circumstances that we did not control. If we were born in America, if we got an education, if we had someone to help us make good decisions, if we have certain gifts or talents, all of that helped us to get ahead. And none of that was our doing. All of that came from God. Everything we have belongs to him. And this is where it gets fun. Because we can give as we've always wanted to give. It's not ours. In the story we read, this rich man who builds the barns, I don't think he's having nearly as much fun with his money as he could have. I mean, he builds a barn and puts it all in the barn and looks at it. How fun is that? And I'm not sure we're having as much fun with our money as we could. A few weeks ago, I told you a story about a man from this church who's helping put an immigrant kid through college. And in the process, has developed this rewarding relationship with this kid, the kind that makes him tear up whenever he talks about it. Now, i got a question for you. Four years from now, when he sees that student graduate from college, the first in his family to do so, and that student hugs him and says, thank you, you have changed the course of my life forever. Do you think in that moment, this man is going to think to himself, hmm, I should have put that money in a Ginny Mae instead. I'm thinking not so much. When we give, it is fun. We get to be part of what God's doing. You see, God provides. It's not ours anyway. And we can just have the time of our lives giving it away. And that's why my wife and I give to the church. Yes, because the Bible says so. And I've included some scriptures in the bulletin that talk about giving to the worshiping community you're part of. But a bigger reason we give is because it's a way for us to link arms with all of you. 
and to participate with you together in what God is doing in the world. And that's fun. And there's so much that God is doing through us. You saw the pictures up here. All the things that God is doing through us. We have 1,400 children in our Sunday school program who are hearing who Jesus is. Now, in a world where Jesus is either avoided or ridiculed, where else are they going to find out about who Jesus really is? We have music that helps so many people connect to God after a long week when all they need is a word of encouragement or hope or comfort. Because of us, there are people in Guatemala and Mexico who have a house to live in. Because of us, we're helping to make King County a better place by supporting churches like the Matt Talbot Center that is helping people get off the streets and get off drugs. And Christine and I look at all of that and we go, we're a part of that. We get to be a part of that because we give. It's one of the reasons my wife loves to drop the check in the offering plate. One of her favorite parts of the service. Better than the sermon, she says. <laughs> because it's fun. It's fun. And there's so much more we could do in our Jubilee year. The elders of this church have voted to set $5 million as our goal for our Jubilee year budget. And there's a lot we could do with that. Do you know that in the last two years, we have added the equivalent of four average-sized Presbyterian churches to our attendance? We want to continue to meet the needs of all of those new people and keep reaching out to more. The chapel building that houses our children and youth programs, Eastside Academy and Kid Reach, is an aging building. And we're going to need to address those issues so we can continue to teach our kids, but also, also reach out to at-risk students as well. The elders of this church have voted to come alongside Stevenson Elementary to partner with them to help make the lives of the students and parents there better. And there's a lot we could do for that school. Everything from providing tutoring to helping them buy a new copy machine, all kinds of stuff. We partner with a lot of churches in inner city Seattle, and they are making a difference. I believe that only Jesus can really heal what's going wrong in the inner city. Only Jesus can reconcile warring gangs. Only Jesus can give people the power to get off drugs. But some of those churches are struggling. There are some pastors there who have mortgaged their homes just to keep their church doors open. I love Seattle. I think it's the best city in the world. And I would love to say that we were a part of transforming Seattle's urban core by supporting those churches. To me, all of that is exciting. And that little check, that, that little check that I write can do all of that. And, most importantly, in a world where people think Jesus is judgmental, boring, or irrelevant, we can show them who Jesus really is by how we serve. The question is not, much, is not so much, well, how much do I have to give or how much should I give? The question is, how much do I want to be a part of what God's doing through this church? Now, if you're just a visitor here today, this part of the sermon is not for you. You can check out on me. That's fine. I give you permission. But if you're a member or a frequent attender, you'll have received a pledge card in the mail. If you haven't, there's some in the pew racks or behind, in the back. Uh, and what I would ask you to do is go home and pray about this. And come next week with a pledge for how much you believe God is asking you to contribute to what he's doing through this church. Now, I know some of you may be struggling financially. That means for you, maybe your gift will come in terms of time and talent for a while. And I know many of you are already giving very generously, and I want to say thank you. You get to be part of helping people see who the real Jesus is. And for me and Christina, that's what's exciting about giving. And what we find is we don't even miss the money we give. Our lifestyle just adjusts around it. 
And the joy of seeing our money change lives in the name of Jesus is way better for us than anything that money could have bought. But, as one elder told me this week, that's easy for you to say, Scott, you're a pastor. You're not supposed to like money. So I'd like you to hear from someone who sits in the pews every week. I've asked Jean Brown to come and talk to us about her journey with giving. In our growing up years, my husband, Sid, and I had different family experiences in the handling of money. Sid's parents didn't talk about money, and mine were irresponsible with it. I know very well what can happen when the pink slips start showing up in the mailbox and the lights are turned off. There were numerous occasions when my parents told us that we might be out on the streets because they couldn't pay the rent. It was terrifying to live with the possibility of being kicked out of our home. During my high school years, we were forced to move three times because of late rental payments. When it came time for Sid and me as a couple to think about giving to the church, my childhood fears around money remained very clear. At that point in our lives, Sid earned the money by working two jobs so that I could be a stay-at-home mom, and I paid the bills. There was comfort for me in keeping track of our payments, so I knew they were on time. Sid took over paying the bills once, and after much anxiety on my part and laughter together, we decided I should keep paying the bills. (laughs) We had returned to regular church attendance after our daughter Annie was born. We gave small amounts but never made a pledge to the church. Then one Sunday morning, we heard a sermon on tithing in which the spirit quickened both of our hearts, on the same day, in the same sermon. We came home with a new goal, to be a tithing family. When we looked at our finances, we were startled at how far we had to go to reach a tithe. We talked and prayed about why this was important to us. Our desire to be obedient and faithful to the Lord in this tangible expression of trust outweighed our concern on how we would manage it. We took a leap of faith to make our first pledge of 3% of our income. This was a significant step, requiring us to adjust our lifestyle and be intentional about our giving. We agreed each year to increase the percentage of the pledge moving toward a 10% tithe to the church. I remember one year when Sid suggested increasing our pledge by 2% instead of the normal 1%. Keep in mind that I was paying the bills. This was really a challenge for me. Since childhood, I had carried the fear of having the lights turned off because we couldn't pay the bill. Our family had grown with the birth of Andy and I knew it would mean a bigger sacrifice on our part to do it. The word from the Lord in my prayers was, I am the light. Trust me. And so we did. 
Our years of discipline and God's provision brought us to the goal of our tithe. The genuine joy we experienced in our giving contributed to the healing of my childhood fears around money. Recently, I'd been praying about a payment due imminently that I wasn't sure how to handle. The very next day, Sid received an award that more than covered the payment. Once again, I was reminded to trust in God's provision for us. For Sid and me, tithing remains a powerful expression of obedience by giving from thankful hearts with no strings attached to the glory of God and the work of his kingdom. We rejoice in knowing that our contributions make a difference in the ministries of this church, like Kid Reach, Journey with a Village, and our congregational care, youth, and children's programs. I've learned to trust God with our money, but I still don't let Sid handle the checkbook. What I love about Jean's story is that she finally got free from her fears in part by learning to give. And what she found is that God is faithful and that he provides, but what she also found out is that it's fun. And now when she hears about children in our youth program who now know Jesus, when she sees pictures up on the wall of people in Guatemala or Mexico who are no longer sleeping in the rain because they have houses, when she hears about at-risk students who are getting help through KidReach, and knows that that's one less kid who's going to slide into poverty. And when she realizes all of these people are having their image of Jesus as judgmental, boring, or irrelevant, replaced with an experience of the real Jesus, when she sees all of that, she can say, I was a part of it. I got to be a part of that because I gave. And isn't that cool? It's like what Shakespeare's Henry V says before the battle at Agincourt, where a handful of English soldiers are terrified because they're facing a French army that vastly outnumbers them. And Henry V says, don't worry about it, we're going to win. And after we win then, this story shall a good man teach his son. And when the deeds of this battle are told, gentlemen in England now abed shall think themselves accursed they were not here, and hold their manhoods cheap while any speak who fought with us upon St. Crispin's Day. In other words, you don't want to miss this. You want to be part of this. You want to get in the game. The first time I went rock climbing, I took a group of college students with me up to the Sierras. And for me, the scariest part of rock climbing is rappelling. That's when you tie yourself to a rope that's hooked into this tiny little anchor in the rock, and then you jump backwards off of a cliff and bounce yourself down to the floor hundreds of feet below. It was invented by Satan. And as I was standing up there ready to jump, the only thing I wanted in that moment was my mommy. (laughs) I was scared and I did not want to do it, but I had all of these college students around me and I was their fearful leader and I wanted my image to be held up with them and so I knew I had to jump. That's the great thing about narcissism. It can inspire courage. (laughs) So I just went for it. I just jumped for all I was worth. And it was great. I mean, the adrenaline rush was amazing, but more than that, I felt free. I was flying. I was defying gravity, and the world had no pull on me. 
I had moved from fear to freedom to fun. That's tithing. The first step's a doozy. But after that, the view is great. The world has no pull on you. And you discover that that rope that you did not think could hold you up is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all you can ask or even imagine. And all you have to do is jump. And that's when it gets fun. Lord, thank you for your gracious invitation to participate with you in what you're doing in the world. And Lord, thank you also for this gift you do give us of giving so that we can be weaned from our fears and move into freedom and know the joy of being part of what you're doing through us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.